0: Now, did you spend any time in England? Have you? Not you have, right? Very much. <laughs> okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. So, it, like everybody, um, we have watched all of the the Netflix.
1: Oh, the whole thing! All of the Netflix. whole thing.
0: Yep, and
1: list of the Crown.
0: Well, all of it. Oh, okay. We're, we're getting to the English Connection. Just hang on; it'll circle okay. back. Um, and so, on HBO Max because I have no idea why they are offering up episodes and seasons of the bachelor from different countries.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So you can look at a variety of production skills and qualities and such. Um, But I, I was like, we have to watch the English one because I want to see, because at the end of the American bachelor, regardless of the gender, um, there is a lot of emotion. Let's say, yes, there's crying. And If you had to pick one thing that the English people are known for... Not crying. Not emotion. Mm -hmm. So just episode one. um, First off, their logo on the show is a blood with like hearts dripping off of it. It's like a giant heart with hearts dripping. It's a little weird. (laughs) Is English... Is this an England thing or just a TV thing referring to zip lining as a death slide?
1: Oh, I don't know. But I think that's a fabulous name. Yeah, it's a
0: much better much better term. Yeah. Um, are you taunting me with this? No. Oh, thank you. Okay. <laughs> I've been handed an Oreo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank oh. you. I, wish somebody, I wish I had someone here I to hand me an Oreo.
1: <laughs> <sighs> this is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling.
0: And so, on this... Um, on the date where they went on, they went. They had to scale a rock and then take a uh, death slide across to another rock where there's a lovely picnic set up for them. And the host of the show, the voiceover guy, the one of the women on the dates was afraid of heights and very nervous about about the death sliding. And they referred to this moment as her fear of having to go on this death slide as squeaky bum time. Have you heard of this before?
1: I I feel like I have, but it's not something I would ever use, but it's fantastic.
0: I know. Well, apparently it is the last few minutes of a very tense sporting competition.
1: Well, it makes sense. Because it
0: could go either way and squeaky bum time. Yeah. So I was just, I was fascinated by this and Urban Dictionary and...
1: Are you implying that we need to start implementing more British colloquialisms into our podcasting?
0: I mean, we think. I'm trying to get the phrase um, "getting someone on the blower" back into the yeah, you're big popular vernacular. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that made this whole show that much more English that the Bachelor gave uh, one of the women a rose. She says, "Thank you very much." What do you think his response is? It's this moment. It's an intimate moment. It's just nice. But you're welcome. You know, no worries. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: I yeah. I just...
1: I think I like the English Bachelor better. Like, I can't I can't even make it through a minute of the American Bachelor right. or you, Bachelorette. I can't even You've deal. got
0: to check it out because the accents are amazing. Uh, the, it's the... It's interesting because, like, I feel like most of the english people who are on american tv have a very particular english accent true that they might even just be doing and not as actually is not actually their own accent Mm -hmm. this show is rife with one the regionalities of it all yes of course and then also the classes of it with varying degrees and there's some people who (laughs) open their mouths and you just say oh that's not a pretty accent that's not a nice voice and,
1: well, and does that impact your opinion of said contestant? Are they less attractive to me? Yeah.
0: Well, look, as the viewer, as we get to squeaky bum time, I don't know. <laughs> I or mean, does it again, make them
1: more attractive because they're just kind of rough and <laughs> rough and tumble,
0: ready to break their warm Guinness and right. throw it at you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm That's an interesting question. Yeah. <laughs> Of course.
1: Or Macavity.
0: (laughs) Mm, There you go. That's the one. That's the one you don't want to mess with.
1: No, you don't ever want to mess with Macavity.
0: It's interesting with cornhole because people always sort of crap on curling saying, well, it's a sport you can do while you smoke a cigarette. Cornhole is also a sport that you can do while you're smoking a cigarette. Correct? Correct. And drinking a beer at the same time. Some people do, but... (laughs) 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 <laughs> so how does this turn into a sport more than just a tailgate event
2: yeah I mean I think obviously the roots of cornhole are as a tailgating game for sure and it will continue to be a, a fun tailgating game I probably like to compare it more more to golf like I'm, I'm you know when I go out and play golf I like to uh, have a cooler full of beer when I play golf I'm not playing professionally or taking it uh Seriously, I'm playing golf for fun, and um, you know. So, it, it, if I was playing golf professionally, um, I probably would not drink so much when I play golf. <laughs> but my guess is that there are, all go- all, there are golfers out there that probably have a flask in there in their bag and uh, may take a swig from every now and then. Probably less today than <laughs> in the past, but certainly, certainly as professional golf was evolving. You know, you used to see golfers smoke and drink. Um, I believe when they were out there on the course, and um, you know, so certainly in the early stages of, of our sport, um, we saw we saw people drinking, and then as they take it more seriously as a professional sport, we see the level of drinking going down quite a bit at the at the top level. Sure, but the steroid abuse goes way up. <laughs> <And> how, <laughs>
0: right. how does this? How did it go from? this small little thing to i saw you guys on espn a month ago
2: yeah it's uh you know it i was watching these guys play at tailgates we were actually doing um activations for sponsors with all kinds of different tailgating games cornhole was one of them and um i just saw these players playing cornhole at a more serious level than any other tailgating game for some reason I was like, what is it about this tailgating game that's different from washers or or ladder golf or, or something like that, that, that has these players just getting so amped up about it? Um, and then I got to see, I got to know some of the strategy that some of the top players were employing, because at the time I've got a beer in one hand, I'm just trying to get the bag on the board, basically. And, and I learned that these top players, you know, they're executing different kind of shots. They're putting it at an exact spot on the board at a specific time in the round. Um, So they're throwing the bag with intent to put it in a specific spot and spin it a specific way um, and have it move up the board in a specific way. So uh, the more I learned about the strategy of the game, I said, wow, I think this has a chance to be a legitimate sport. Uh, In order to do so, we need to put scores and stats around it. And we need to create a broadcast around it to legitimize it and showcase it as as a as a sport and be able to explain the strategy and, and and show these these cool shots that these guys can execute.
1: So, how does one become professional?
2: So we have a pretty you know pretty open process. Uh, you can play your way in to become an ACL pro. Um, and when we first started the ACL, we, we didn't call players professional. We called them elite. So it's really been within the last one and a half to two years that we started calling cornhole players at the top level a pro player and and set up that tour. So we actually started with 16 pros that we kind of created an ACL pro invitational for our first July 4th event that followed... Um, the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, which was three years ago, actually. So we just uh-huh. had our third year anniversary following Nathan's, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's when we first introduced uh, the word pro next to a cornhole player. And then we just kind of evolved the tour from there. And so you know, now this, our first full season where we allow people to play to get in, uh, we have 32 spots available for people to play in a pro qualifier uh, here next week, actually. Uh, There's a pro qualifier event for 256 players, and the top 32 get pro spots for next year. Because of the COVID situation, we're allowing all of our current pros the option to come back as pros. Um, Normally, the bottom 25% would have to play in a, I kind of compare it to Q School for Golf, we came up with the phrase a gauntlet. You know, we were gonna run that for the first time this year, where you know the the bottom tier pros were gonna to have to fight to uh, to keep their card, so to speak. Well, and nothing brings
0: athletes together like a gauntlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I,
2: <laughs> yeah, people I've get, I've gotten some pushback on that.
0: <laughs> if you no, want to no, great. please. No
1: <laughs> it's perfect.
0: And given given where we are in the history of the world, given where we are in our time it seems like cornhole is the perfect sport because you are naturally socially distanced.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We so take yeah, that MLB. Yeah. We, you know, we were actually, you know, we were the first live us sport back on ESPN. Um, we just beat UFC by a few hours uh, going <laughs> yeah. live back on ESPN. Of course they got all the glory. I don't think we got mentioned once on SportsCenter, center, but uh, maybe if you guys had cornhole Island. Yes. Yeah, if we had cornhole Island. Yeah. If, if only I had several hundred million to build Cornhole Island, I'd be <laughs> in <coming>. great shape. <laughs> It'll be But uh, yeah, so I mean, we actually, and then we did, you know, we did seven weeks in a row of live Cornhole on ESPN uh, during, during COVID. Uh, we didn't have one single outbreak uh, from those events um, in that seven weeks. And so, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, if people if people wear masks, uh, what we found is is that that works, um, and then we had bag grabbers and some other things which I don't necessarily think we needed because I don't believe the virus uh, can really be transferred on cornhole on fabric. Um, so I think that 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 uh, that we were fairly safe there. But we do have uh, bag grabbers on our broadcast that grab bags out of the boards and players. Um, we made them exit for. For those seven events and then um, our event in Philadelphia, we did allow them to stay in in the pitcher's box. So so they were a little bit uh, closer than six feet, but they were still apart and wearing masks.
1: So how much, so I know my niece and her uh, fiance are, I mean, avid cornhole players. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't become your next pro. And they obviously have gone to, you know, made their own boards and there are certain bags that they like and all of these things. So how much of that individuality translates into a professional match? Can you, do you bring your own stuff? Is everything sanctioned and, and how does that all work?
2: Yeah. So uh, we actually created the bring your own bags policy is probably one of the keys to our growth of, uh, for the ACL and for the sport. Um, so when I started the ACL, typically uh, when a director would run an event, a cornhole tournament, let's say, they were providing the bags to players to use. Um, and then as I was starting out, that was one of the biggest complaints I always heard from players. All oh, these bags suck. They're awful. You know, I want to be able to use my own. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let people bring their own bags Let's see what happens. And... Uh, and so the first the first year I did it, we got we started getting some super skinny bags like we didn't have our regulations right for that policy and anything. So that that policy has evolved uh, quite a bit and um, continues to evolve. But, yeah, so we we set the size, the weight um, and the thickness of the bag. So we have men and max tolerances for that. But basically it's a six by six bag. Has to be an inch, an inch and uh, inch and a quarter um, thick, and uh, weighs 16 ounces or one pound. So, and then you know we've we've tightened the tolerances up, kind of year after year. And uh, actually, this year we're starting our first scientific testing of ACL Pro level cornhole bags, where we're doing coefficient of friction tests and flexibility tests on cornhole bags. So. Uh, so we're getting we're getting more scientific with, with how we approve bags at the ACL Pro level. Uh, and we also have launched different levels of equipment. So one of the other things that we saw is people would go into like a Dick's or a Walmart and they would buy a set of cornhole boards and they'd say, oh, that's what the guys are playing with on ESPN. Like, no, that's not what the people are playing with on ESPN. And so we created three different levels of equipment, ACL Rec, ACL Competitive, and ACL Pro. So now when you see that mark on cornhole equipment in Walmart, for example, and you say, oh, well, what's an ACL rec? Well, that's just meant to go out in the backyard and have fun, but don't play tournaments on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the difference in the boards? So the boards you know, boards will come in, typically they'll come in a tailgate size or a, you know our traditional board is the four by two um, cornhole board for our pro level board. We're pretty specific. It's gotta be Um, around two and three quarters off the front and twelve inches off the back it has to measure so that slope of the board is pretty important um, for us at the pro level Um, we use a a, a three-quarter inch um, Baltic birch cabinet grade high-end top on our cornhole board so you know you'll see boards out there in a lot of different shapes and sizes um, so we're real specific about our pro board. But then as, it, as you move down in levels, we get, we get more lenient on, on what we consider. Sure. At the end of the day, we want people to, to have fun. And we've right. seen all kinds of new ideas. come. Like Somebody sent us a, a wavy board. It has like two waves in it and then a hole or something like that. We <laughs> see all kinds of different uh, innovations. People are doing circular boards now and all sorts of crazy stuff.
0: Where do you guys stand on decorations of the board? For example, if someone puts, I don't know, a Chicago Bears logo on the mm-hmm. board,
2: uh, foul or is that okay? Well, it's, uh, it's okay if you're legally licensed. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, um, oh, fortunately, fortunately, we do make NFL licensed ACL pro boards now. We just uh, got that license deal done in the last year. So now we can't do official ACL Pro boards with NFL marks, um, but yeah, we see a lot. Of, you know, there's a lot of uh, board manufacturers out there uh, that make high quality products. Uh, in addition to to our partner, which is AllCornhole.com, um, but yeah, you can customize that board. It's 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 a it's a blank slate, and if you're if you're getting a custom board from AllCornhole.com, then you can have the ACL Pro mark on on it. On there you can use the ACL mark if you buy it from allcornhole.com. So so uh, outside of that it's basically a blank canvas as long as you're legally licensed with the logos you're using
0: and you couldn't just call Goodell up on the phone as commissioner to commissioner and say hey come on <laughs> let's make this thing happen
2: yeah I wish I wish yeah. one Maybe of these one days day. one day. One day. <laughs>
1: it's coming
2: so we saw yeah it, it was a uh, during during the whole COVID thing, I saw Dana White took a stab at uh at boxing during one of his interviews. I saw and he talked about. He said, you know, when UFC started out on the ESPN Total Poll, we were just above cornhole, and he said oh. so like, boxing is shots. below cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired, sir. Yeah, you know, serious. Yeah, he kind of yeah. You know, Kind of caught us at being on the bottom of the ESPN totem pole, which is fine. But just you're, on on the ESPN. ESPN. you're
1: on let it be known that you made it to the totem pole. So yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. Most people well, yeah I mean, yeah, we made it to the totem pole. And obviously, Dana White's paid enough attention to know that we do exist on ESPN.
1: Exactly. Did you have any idea? that it would become as big as it has. Cause I feel like it's just continuing to snowball and snowball and snowball.
2: Yeah, I, I, th- I thought it had a good chance to to uh, get big along the lines of, of bowling. Um, you know, certainly like we get compared a lot to curling like you said, like people feel like it should be a really cool Olympic sport for people to watch. And, and we agree, we wanna make an Olympic sport. Uh, so I, I certainly felt like it had that opportunity the speed the speed at which we've grown has been been pretty amazing meaning that you know when we started out and i did my first digital broadcast on espn3 and convincing them to give it a shot there i figured it would be you know, like a probably a two to a three-year process before we would ever have a shot on linear right it was like we started our first year when we did our digital broadcast for our championships I was really thinking, you know, if three if we got on ESPN2 within three years, I'd be happy, right? And it was the very next year, a month out, where, you know, they called me and they said, hey, you know, we, we were watching your championships last year and what you did broadcast-wise, and we've got this open slot on ESPN2 that we'd like to see if you'd be interested in trying it out. It's, I was like, never done a linear broadcast before, but said, absolutely, let's – what is it, it going to take? How much more money is it going to cost me? <laughs> right. Uh, I can go borrow that money real quick to get this done. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, that. that's kind of how it happened. And then, you know, when it was halfway through that first show on ESPN2 where the, where the pro- executive producer came out of the truck and was like, have you seen Twitter? And I was like, no, I'm just trying to make sure that these guys report to the broadcast. and <laughs> You know, because these players, those just start wondering, you know, this is the first time. I was like, we just got to make sure these players show up and play. Um, And he's like, you've blown up on Twitter. He's like, everyone in Bristol is laughing, laughing like crazy about how popular this thing is just blown up with no promotion whatsoever. And people were commenting on Twitter right and left on it. And and that led immediately into a three year deal with ESPN.
1: Fantastic. Yeah.
2: So many sports hang a sort of rise and fall
0: on the. Status of their celebrities and their their star athletes mm-hmm. and for me, I'm a connoisseur of athletic nicknames. Do any of the cornhole players have any good nicknames? the widowmaker, something like that?
2: yeah, yeah, actually the the widowmaker is one that we first coined oh. uh, we had a female that won the Carolina's uh cornhole Tour was one of the first organized cornhole events that I put together, and we nicknamed her the Widowmaker. <laughs> Crystal Man, gotcha. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, you'll see. Um, yeah, you'll see some, some some nicknames from some guys. Um, Damon Dennis, who who had uh, probably the most memorable shot uh, last year, actually last July, that that went viral and got over twenty five million views when he hit his and one shot. Uh, you know, his nickname is Double D. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting a feature in muscle and fitness magazine. So I would have never thought that he'd be a cornhole player in muscle and fitness, but uh, yeah. So There's how did that.
1: the, how did the shot work? Like, what was that for someone who doesn't. So that, so there
2: was yeah. a, there was his opponent's bag was um, up top, up on the top of the board, just right behind the hole. And so he's, he's having a conversation with his partner. This is the round limit format they're behind in the match and he's like you want me to knock that one off uh and make mine and his partner's like you got to do something you know we're behind you know you need to knock that bag off and then make yours and he's like all right and then he did it and the crowd just went absolutely nuts um because that's i mean <sighs> that's you rarely see that shot where you're able to knock your opponent's bag off the board and and make yours in the hole so it was pretty cool because it was it was a cool air mail, and uh, that was Dan one. And so, nice. so now we see more players trying to trying to execute it. Do players
0: have favorite bags, a la baseball with a favorite bat? Yeah, yeah definitely.
2: yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we've seen that have, has just exploded is how bag manufacturers have been really innovative with the fabrics uh, that they use, and there's like a race to try to get exclusivity on great new fabrics and uh and also the filling how that bag feels um in a player's hand is real important to them um so the speed of the fabric of the bag is is important that's one of the reasons why we're moving towards a scientific coefficient of friction rating so we can get speed levels for for each one of these bags um and so, yeah, they're they're really particular about their cornhole bags. It's it's the most passionate topic out there. So every time we change the bag policy, it's uh, you know you hear get, about it. I get booed like Roger Goodell when I change <laughs> the bag policy. Like <laughs> 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 Roger Goodell does it the draft for sure. I got my fair share. Of, I got I got my fair share of, of booze. Well,
0: that's you know you've made it then.
2: Yeah, right. know, it. someone evident Yeah, I just got sent a t shirt. Uh, 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 Snapshot of someone uh, putting me with a clown nose on a t-shirt, evidently. Oh, well there you go. You it. When, <laughs> yeah. when you
1: become a clown,
2: that's it. Take that to the bank. Right? Yeah.
0: So
1: if I was to come to your house for a barbecue, not inviting myself over, but would we be having a cornhole tournament in the backyard? Or is that is there a no cornhole policy at
2: home? <laughs> Well, my, so my wife and daughter do not play cornhole <laughs> so, uh, as, as much as I've tried to get my daughter into it. She is not, she has not gravitated towards the, uh, to- towards the sport, but we do. Yeah. Usually it's like if friends come over, they want to know where the boards are and they want to break them out. Uh, so we're, we'll, we'll, certainly do that. Um, I'm sure
1: some people are probably coming over going, come on. I-, I know you want me for the tour. You- I know yeah. I'm the next pro. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And, it, and it's our neighbors too. They're always asking, Hey, can we borrow, can we borrow a set of cornhole boards? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, so we get a lot when we get a lot of that around the holidays from, uh, from, from our friends and neighbors for sure. Okay. But it, it, it's pretty cool. And then once, once they play on our equipment then they're like, Oh, we had no idea that, uh, that these boards were this nice. Or, you know, I went out and bought a set of Dick's and then, mm-hmm you know, I saw your cornhole boards and they're a lot different. I was like, yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> For more information on the American cornhole league, check out. I The World Championships start tomorrow, August 4th, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and they run from the 4th through the 9th. You can watch so much of the events on ESPN, so make sure to check your local listings and set your VCR, because you don't want to miss this.
1: Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing.
0: Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist, our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosyntho-Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel,
1: is that you? Are you here? Nigel?